This is Chicago's College Tailgate. Tailgate. Shane Norman and Tyler and Tyler on ESPN Chicago. Welcome in to Chicago's College Tailgate here on ESPN 1000. Tyler Aki, Shane Norling talking college football with you until 11 o'clock every single Saturday morning here on ESPN 1000. Week one's in the books, Shay, and it was a great week of college football. First, I got to ask you, are you back in college football shape? And what I mean by that is, are you mentally, physically, (laughs) and I guess I may as well ask you this, financially prepared to sit down from 11 a.m. Central all the way through like one in the morning for college football are are you but are you in college football shape you know like week one when you see that full slab of games all right that you know you're spending the entirety of the night watching ball like are you in college football shape of course you're in college football shape. the key is you stay ready all season all (laughs) off season ready you stay ready you gotta just know that when the clock or the calendar flips to college football it's time you like look off-season training's important. You got to keep what is yourself. Your, what is, ready. Do you go through like the the college football combine, a uh, college football washing combine in the off season. What do you do? Uh, no, but around July, you start ordering the preview magazines. You start getting stuff to the house that's prepping you for college football. You start reading things. You start getting back into the swing of it. And then by the time that first, even week zero comes around, I'm drooling. I'm just ready to be in that position. Week zero is a good preseason. Yeah. It's a great preseason. So right now, week two, Tyler, I'm in midseason form. Look oh, at wow. me. I'm you round. I'm in midseason You're college in mid-season football form. form. All yeah. right. There we go. Um, Are it, you kidding me? Today, we've got Hawaii on the island at 1059 tonight. I love that they do that, by the way. The 1059, so it's not a, a, a midnight Eastern start. Yep. So it's not technically a Sunday start over there, and it's not infringing on the National Football League Sunday there. Um, it's great. I love it. Um, we do have – I always know the you're only as good as your late-night slate in, in college football. Like, who, all right, who's taking me home in the 930 games? And we've got USC and Stanford. We've got Cal and Auburn. We've got yeah. Arizona State and Oklahoma State. We've got yeah. a lot of power conference teams playing in the late slate tonight. <laughs> Um, it's a good thing the Pac-12 is good this year because just on paper, that's a horrible thing. And then, of course, we've got Albany out of the FCS ranks traveling to the island there. So going to be a good one tonight uh, across the board. A lot of solid games today. Uh, some very good games as well, including Alabama and Texas. We will be uh, um, previewing all that coming up in little, a little bit. But first, if you want to... Come out and see us. We are going out to O'Sullivan's in Forest Park today. 1.30. to 3.30. We'll be watching uh, some Iowa-Iowa State, the Cyhawk yes, rivalry sir. there. Looking forward to that. So come out to O'Sullivan's in Forest Park at 1.30 today. Watch college football with us. Drink some Deep Eddie with us. It's going to be a great time. Cannot wait. Uh, I was talking to a fan earlier this week. Said they might come out and watch. Uh, they're not really a college football fan, but they want to come watch some college football with the two of us. And I said, just f- fair warning, Cyhawk, 
will make you maybe never watch college football again. <laughs> but we're going to go have some fun. We will make Cyhawk fun. We'll see 18 total points, and we will enjoy it. If you if you want to know, bet the under. And that's how you have some fun with Cyhawk. 36 and a half, I think, oh, is the number I saw. Goodness. What a gross number that's for That's when you know game, a Big but... Ten team's playing. <laughs> Holy Lord. And a team that uh, is missing half of its team because of gambling violations, yep. too. Pretty good. Um, so, yeah, no, it's going to be a great one. Remember... There were players that were gambling on this game a couple years ago that kind of launched this whole probe as well into the programs here. So it is, but it is going to be a great time with us out at O'Sullivan's in Forest Park, uh, brought to you by Deep Eddie. We'll be drinking Deep Eddie out there. So come join us here, 1.30 to 3.30 today out at O'Sullivan's in Forest Park. All right, I got to so- tell you too quickly, one thing mm-hmm. I am excited about is to be around the Hawkeye faithful. Because a great fan base, incredible college football mm-hmm. fans. Great. I mean, if you if you go around in in Chicago, like every third bar is an Iowa bar. Um, but like, yeah, the Iowa fan base is amazing. Uh, always fun to to hang out with some Hawkeye fans. All right, let's get into what we saw in Week One and some of the maybe overreactions that we're seeing out of the gate here in Week One. Um, Anything that's catching your eye right out of the gate in terms of overreactions from week one that you saw? Yeah, I'll give you my my biggest one probably is Florida State. They're the best team in the country. And I don't care what you think anybody... that's an overreaction? Yeah, because people are going to go, oh, relax, Georgia, duh. Well, okay, why are we giving Georgia the benefit of just being number one because they're Georgia? New offensive coordinator, Carson Beck, new quarterback, breaking in a new system, a lot of stuff that, like, you put 25 guys, I think, in the draft on the defensive side of the ball the last two seasons, and I'm supposed to just believe that you get to do this a third time because you're Georgia. I get it. They're great. They're probably the best team in the SEC. But to me, what we saw Monday night or Sunday night from Florida State dropping a bomb on a really good LSU team, what we saw from Jordan Travis and Keon Coleman and those receivers who are all like 6'3 plus, that to me, Number one team in the country. And I, I, the reason that I'll say it is because it's an overreaction is because uh, what's his face? The college football writer McMurphy went on Twitter, went on Twitter and said, I voted Florida State number one in America and he got blasted. By everybody on social media saying this so is disrespectful saying, to Georgia. It's not. Florida State's just that good. So you're saying the counter reaction is the overreaction here. The counter reaction of the Georgia pushback that Georgia truly is the number one yeah. team in the country. That is the overreaction, despite the fact that they just kind of laid down on a UT Martin and just kind of moseyed their way to a victory. They'll do the same today against Ball State. Um, but we're not going to see anything from Georgia until the SEC title game. Like you, pl- And it's not an insult. They have an incredible roster. But I just don't understand why all preseason we're acting like Minus or plus two fifty favorites to win the national title. You can't get anyone else south of six to one. And I'm like, why? They lost the quarterback in the OC. It's a whole new system. Twenty five kids you send to the NFL on the defensive side of the ball. You lost the guy that a lot of people before an off field issue thought was going to be the number one pick in the draft. Right. Like I, I just I don't get how we automatically say they're so far ahead of everybody else. So I think it's you're right. There's two sides to this. I think people overreacted all offseason about how great Georgia was going to be and undervalued Florida State. And now I'm at a point I'm willing to say Florida State's the best team in America. I'm going to go on the other side of that game and the people that are punching down on LSU after the game. I think LSU 
and their loss and the the reaction that oh maybe LSU isn't going to cut it this year in the SEC. They're not out to what everyone thought they would be with their preseason number five ranking here. I think that's the overreaction here. LSU dropping to 14th in the polls. I get seeing the drop in the polls immediately, all right? When you do lose at that magnitude, a three-touchdown game, really a four-touchdown game, because they did get that last touchdown in garbage time there. Um, I get dropping in the polls, and I have no problem with them dropping outside the top 10 in the polls. I think they rightfully did drop outside the top 10 in the polls with the way that they just got embarrassed in that second half against Florida State. However... For anyone that's writing off LSU, I would say this is the time to buy low on them. Agree 100%. Because you look at what happened in this game, a lot of drops. And I think you look across football. Like, what did we see Thursday night in Kansas City and Detroit? What did we see pretty much all of week one and week zero? A lot of sloppy football. You're going to get sloppy football early on. couple catches here and there for LSU, and this isn't a 21-point loss. They probably still lose the game. I'm not going to say that they are not the, a team that was going to go out and win that game. They, The better team, I think, won this game uh, uh, on Sunday night. Yeah, of course. However... I do think people are overreacting a little bit to, quote-unquote, how bad LSU is. I think LSU is a much better football team than the display that they had against Florida State in that night nighttime matchup. So I think people are overreacting to the performance of LSU. I'm with you 100%, and you made up a great point about look at football everywhere else like Detroit, Kansas City. Canarius Tony was out there doing a Malik Neighbors impression. Malik <laughs> Neighbors was awful on uh, Sunday night when they played Florida State. One of the better receivers in that room, and just for whatever reason, like the muffed punts have been an issue for him. He had the freaky reaching back behind his head trying to catch a punt. He got benched, and then the kid Brian Kelly went through, <laughs> muffs a punt. It's like unbelievable. You're going to see sloppy football, especially in college when there is no preseason. Yeah. I'll give you another one for me. Another overreaction more locally. I'm going to go to the Big Ten. Mm-hmm. Penn State's winning this conference. When I look at what we saw from Ohio State, 23 points against Indiana, what the actual F, Ryan Day, you say all offseason we're going to run two quarterbacks, you give Devin Brown all of three snaps, Mm -hmm. you're trying to run the ball with Travion Henderson, and you can't, you're not letting Kyle McCord throw the ball, like, can these kids not play? I haven't seen an Ohio State offense look that dog bleep in maybe my entire life. I don't know that Ohio State's anything to care about right now. Then you look at Michigan hosting ECU in Ann Arbor. Michigan can't run the ball on ECU under four yards a pop against ECU. And you expect me to believe Michigan's just some big-time favorite in this conference? Like Penn State to me, going out, and I know you're mad because they've ruined oh, your parlay. Ruined James me. Franklin bleep hole moment. He's on the list. At the end of the game with eight seconds left, let's put this thing in to cover the 20 and a half. Thank you, James Franklin. But no, man, like oh, Penn State, Drew Aller was an up and down guy, but mm-hmm. they were the only team in the Big Ten that really stood out to me as like, we can win this conference. Michigan didn't look good enough. Ohio State looked Awful. And I don't want to take a ton away from Michigan because obviously the head coach wasn't on the sideline and you're playing a terrible East Carolina team. But when you can't run the ball, your bread and butter is running the ball behind that offensive line with your two backs and you're getting 3.9 yards of carry. That's a problem. And so like watching Big Ten football week one, Penn State to me winning this conference. Yeah, it, uh, 
Kyle Aller or Drew Aller, I mean, is going to make some big boy throws this year. And we saw it on the early touchdown pass. Like that was a welcome to the Drew Aller era. And that's the guy who's going to be an NFL quarterback. He is going to be a top people's boards in the coming years because he is he's just got all the tools there. And by the way, you mentioned the the spread beat there. Oh, welcome. Welcome to college football, <laughs> Tyler. I mean, Oh, boy, uh, that was a, a splash of cold water to the face. But I have justified it, all right? I, I can live with it. It was the last leg I had in a 17-to-1 parlay. I have justified it, though, because back when I was a student in college, West Virginia, we we took – we were playing West Virginia in our bowl game in 20 – that would have been 2019. Yeah. Uh, we were playing West Virginia in our bowl game, and they thought they were just going to roll through this little northeast school uh, that doesn't care about football. We kicked their ass in the Camping World Bowl. We were seated in the booth next to the coordinators, the West Virginia coordinators. They stormed out of there. They had two handles of Tito's on ice, and they stormed out of there. And we were like, hmm. We're us being college kids. We just took the, the the two handles and we were like, all right, let's go have ourselves a night. So I justified it. Like West Virginia has paid me in the past to... To, That's to watch college football, so I have I have come to peace with it. What but. what are they doing with two handles? Were they unopened? Did you crack no. the? We cracked the seal. Uh, you did. We cracked seals. Good. Yeah, because I was going to ask the next thing: Were they calling the game drunk? Well, Dana <laughs> no wonder they got their program. Ass Who knows? Um, uh, uh, quickly, too. You brought up bad beats last night. There almost was one. I just want to get this off my chest. Mm-hmm. Illinois getting four points against Kansas, down thirty four seven. Storms back, has the ball down thirty four. 23 with a chance to cover the four. Luke Altmeyer converts a fourth and 16, and I'm like, oh my god, Illinois is covering the four, and then he throws a ball blindfolded. I'm like, college football, hey, we are so back. All right, one of the other overreactions that we did not get to is the Colorado Buffaloes and Deion Sanders. Is The college football world overreacting to Dion. We'll talk about that next. This is Chicago's College Tailgate, sponsored by Twin Peaks. Chicago's College Tailgate returns in a flash on ESPN Chicago. Shay and Tyler. Tyler. Chicago's College Tailgate returns in a flash on ESPN Chicago. It's Chicago's College Tailgate, brought to you by Twin Peaks. Tyler Aki, Shane Orling. We talk college football with you until 11 a.m. every single Saturday here on ESPN 1000. Don't forget, you can come out and meet us today, 1.30 to 3.30 at O'Sullivan's in Forest Park. We will be drinking deep, Eddie, and having a great time watching some college football. So join us 1.30 to 3.30 today, O'Sullivan's in Forest Park. Lemon drop shots. Oh, yeah. I'm a big lemon drop guy. You lemon drop guy? I'm excited. Yeah. Three one two three three two. Get after it. Three seven seven six. A rare Shay Norling appearance, by the way. What's the rare Shay Norling appearance? What's the Cyhawk drinking game today? Is it every first down? Because we, we might not get that. Drunk. We may not. Yeah, we may not drink at all <laughs> at that point. I mean, Can't how about be a every punt? Score. How about a punt? Oh, there we go. How about That's a punt? Pretty good. Every punt. Uh, we ro- might get two. You'll, drunk. Yeah, you'll be rolling us out of there. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> We're going to need to be carried home. It'll be a great time. You want to join us out at O'Sullivan's? We'd love to see you there. Um, okay, let's get into Deion Sanders. Is there too much hype surrounding this Colorado team? Deion took the receipts, man. And you know what? 
you got to credit that Colorado team for what they did against TCU. I know this isn't the TCU of last year, but it's still a, a Power 5 team that you're opening up your season against, and you go on the road to go take that team down as a 20-and-a-half-point dog. That was an impressive performance. Shador Sanders sets the program record with 510 yards. Is there too much hype, though, on this team? Because you look at it, and Colorado is getting more bets than NFL games. Yep. Like, they have more bets than the remaining NFL games for week one. There is so much buzz. Everyone wants a little piece of Deion Sanders, Coach Prime, and the Colorado Buffs. It's going to be the most bet regular season game in college football history by the time kickoff happens in about 40 minutes. We will have hit that mark if we haven't already. Uh, I saw the only NFL game that got more action was Chiefs-Lions. Mm-hmm. I imagine that's only because it happened on Thursday and you got to wait for Saturday for Colorado. This game is maybe going to be the most bet game of the weekend because everybody... Might be the most game until the Super Bowl. It, seriously, it might be. like the, We are losing cabin pressure in the way we are talking about <laughs> Deion Sanders. The th- the oxygen mask has dropped from the ceiling. Are we? Are, you have the, to take a deep breath. Are we taking the slide? Are we taking the slide out of the plane? Yeah. Are we like, inflating the slide? It's, it's time to get the exit doors ready to go. Like this, it's crazy the extent to which people are just ready to anoint Deion Sanders. I've talked about it all off season. If you were with us on our podcast, available on the ESPN Chicago app, recaps out every Monday. We're having a good time with it. It's good content. It's there for you. If you've been with us, you've heard me say, TCU is awful. This is not a national title team that's returning a bunch of national title guys. You flipped your offensive coordinator. Your quarterback, Max Duggan, who was there forever and chose not to leave and stuck around and went on a great run, left. You have to you lose your best wide receiver, maybe the best wide receiver in America, in Quentin Johnston, NFL. You flipped over half the offensive line. You lost eight offensive starters. That team put up 40 effing one. New quarterback, new O-line, new receivers, new coordinator. They dropped 41 on Colorado. You know what that means? Colorado's defense blows. I mean horrible. Travis Hunter's a great player, but the defense overall, awful. And, like, I'm telling you, TCU shouldn't have won games they won last year. You look at Baylor, you look at Kansas, maybe even Michigan. They shouldn't have won some of those games. They did. It's great. They had a nice run. But that regresses, and you're a worse team. This is Thelma and Louise at the end of the movie, drive off the cliff, car explodes. That's what TCU is. Like, I, I, I don't care about what Colorado did because, one, I told you Colorado could win, and, two, all offseason I've said TCU sucks. Now, Colorado, Dion, you got to host a real football team. And that also blows, but newsflash, Colorado ain't good. So, like, the hype that's around this team, like, somehow, oh, they're going to go for the Pac-12 title and, like, <laughs> stop. This is a team with a preseason win total of three and a half. And it jumped to five and a half after one win. I'm and like, what are we doing? Maybe the most asinine part of the whole thing, they're in the top 25 Wait, what with is an the, active the, win total of five and a half right now. It's nuts to me. So, like, I, I'm in wait and see mode with Colorado. I think they're bad. I think that, the, like, I wouldn't touch over five and a half. You have to be out of your mind to be betting over five and a half. I think that week one was an adrenaline win. Like, so much energy pumped into the program week one. And it's it's Coach Prime's first Power 5 game. Like, 
there was so much pent up there, and they kind of let it all out. And listen, that game against TCU may be the game of the year when it's all said and done. Like, the back and forth between uh, the TCU offense and then the, the Colorado offense, and uh, like, give credit where credit's due, too, all right? Travis Hunter, yeah. football Otani. He plays He's awesome. cornerback. He plays receiver. He had over 100 yards. He had a goal line interception. He had a pass breakup in the end zone. Like, he was fantastic all game long. He is everything as advertised. But is 130 snaps a game sustainable for 12 games? I don't know. We're going to find out yeah, because he, he's going to have to be the most conditioned man in all of football. And I'm not just talking college. I'm talking pro, too, because that is a unique skill set. But we'll see if it lasts and what it looks like the rest of the season here. And then he goes, well, I could have played 100 more. Yeah, okay. I'd love to see it. <laughs> Go play 230 snaps. We'll see if your legs are still attached to your body. Shadur Sanders, like, set the program record of 510 passing yards. A lot of credit where credit's due. They came out and performed. Deserve a ton of credit for that. But at the same time, how sustainable is this long term? Well, and how about, like, the Shadur Sanders deal? I'm sorry. That TCU defense... How bad can you be? You've got receivers running 20 yards free down the field. You better break the school record. You've got uncovered guys like every single play. And I'm not telling you Colorado's some horrible offensive team. They've got speed. They can stretch you out a little bit. But when you're that when you're that bad on defense as TCU was and you're letting guys break your back over the top seemingly every snap. I mean Tyler it, TCU would score, like kind of an extended scoring drive, get a touchdown on an awful Colorado defense. Colorado gets the ball back, and a play later, Colorado's got the lead again. TCU can't guard anybody down the field. So how sustainable is it long-term for Colorado? It's not. like that. You're going to get Oregon, and you're going to get punched in the mouth, and it's going to be the reality check moment. And I honestly think you might be in a reality check moment today when you get Matt Rules Nebraska. They can play a lick of defense. Mm-hmm. Like, you got to watch out. Because that TCU team played zero defense. And whatever you think of Nebraska, offensively, not good. But defensively, they'll play a little bit. And Colorado, look, now you got stuff on tape. I think everybody's really overreacting with this whole thing where they're suddenly worth being a favorite over another Power 5 team. It's it's nuts to me. I will say one guy who I don't think is getting enough credit on the Colorado side is actually a local guy out of Oak Lawn, Illinois, and that is Sean Lewis, their offensive coordinator. Boy. Everywhere he's gone, he's made offenses pop and look like what we saw from Colorado. Now, the teams overall haven't been very good because he just hasn't had the defense to match up. That's not his fault. But Sean Lewis has done a great job at every stop along the way. Eastern Illinois, he was, I believe he coached uh, Jimmy Garoppolo there. Then he goes to Bowling Green. They're lighting up the, the scoreboards there. They had a, a quarterback throw for nearly 5,000 yards that season. Then he goes to Syracuse. They're breaking records offensively there. They, they're throwing in a guy who played at College of DuPage, and he goes out and throws for 440 yards in a college football game and plays in one of the highest scoring college football games ever. And then he goes and takes a head coaching job at Kent State, all right, and he's risking it all by taking a a coordinator job at yeah. a power five, and he's hitching his wagon to Dion. Like, yeah. he's taking a risk here, but he's going to get a head coaching job out of this because of the uh, prolific offense. He can win with anybody at quarterback. He's won with guys that are pros. He's won with guys that are undersized. He has done amazing things offensively. He's put 
guys that were no names into all American status and near Bolitnikov winners before. Yep. Like he is the thing that kind of makes this thing go now. And he's a part of this Colorado offense. So at the minimum, Colorado is going to be fun as hell this oh, year. Yeah. No doubt about it. I just don't know if the fun is going to lead to wins. It's going to be, I, honestly, like the Colorado offense will be, I don't know if they're going to be top 20 good, but they're going to be good. And I think you're going to see a Colorado team, you're going to get into a lot of like 56-38 style games where you just lose. Or like today, I think you might be in a little bit of a mud bath. Like you're going to, they're going to drag you down and make you You know what today reminds you? me of? It reminds me of how we've talked a lot about the Pac-12 and Utah. Because Utah is that team who doesn't have the, the same level of offense as every other team in the Pac-12. Yeah. But they have the defense, and that is why you and I have a confidence in Utah, is that they're going to be able to keep up in games yeah. because of the defense. I look at today, Nebraska has the defense, and they're going to be able to keep up as a result of that, yep. and it may just come down to the last possession. Well, and the other thing, too, is like, one thing that will travel, everybody's talking about what an environment it's going to be in Boulder. And sure it will, but defensive lines travel. And I'm not telling you Nebraska's defensive line is some elite unit, but I will tell you that Colorado's offensive line is filled with FCS-level guys and FCS depth. And TCU just couldn't take advantage of it. So I look today, be very careful when you're running out there and betting everything on Colorado because Dion, Dion, Dion. I just... I think that's the biggest overreaction that's come out of this first week of college football is Colorado now 22nd in the country. What are we doing? They were a three-and-a-half win total. They win one game and go to 22. The hype machine is out of control. Be very careful in the way that you look at this game today. You know, Dion's worth every penny to bring in for of Colorado. Of course he is. Worth and every like- penny. And... Here's the perfect example of that. Did you see this earlier in the week? Last season, you could have gone to every Colorado home game for $222. The get-in price for today at Colorado is $476. I mean, we always like, talk about, too, like... The, the fo- Dion effect is real, The football will program, it be winning? The football programs, the front porch of the university, you're going to get all these Fox Big Noon kickoffs. Mm-hmm. You've got Gus and Joel Klatt practically wearing signs that say, come to Colorado, play for Dion" every time they're on camera. They're boosters. The way they're talking about this Colorado, I, dude, you'd think so. They <laughs> call the game, for the love of God. <laughs> the way they're doing it during Colorado TCU last week, oh, you can come play for Dion. What are we doing? I, like, So you're right, it's... And worth every penny for Colorado because you cannot have a better advertisement for not just your football program, for your university, than a football program that looks this way, that's going to be fun to watch, that in two years might be a legitimate power in a Big 12, but, and that's not a misspeak, they are going to the Big 12. Mm -hmm. Like, I just, this year I think we're too early and we're overhyping them. I've got a question for you. If... Dion wins five games this year. If Colorado goes five and seven, massive success. Well, Dion, Dion will tell you that. D, does Dion get a new job? That is, it depends. Because five and seven. That is overachieving. That is surpassing the win total. And it is a five and seven record with a bunch of pieces that you kind of threw together in an offseason. I think it'd be, it, it would, it could. It depends on what jobs become available. Like, if things go really sideways at Texas and Sark gets launched. Well, okay. How about the other school in Texas? What about A&M? A&M? Yeah, if things go if sideways things go and Jimbo there. gets launched. I mean, there's... But if it, you're A&M, 
Are you going after Dion with a five-win or even four-win season? Yeah, I, dude, I go after him with a three-win season. Really? Okay. The ability to bring in fifty guys on a transfer and, and like go and get fifty kids to come with you in the transfer portal. The ability to go out and do what he's doing in the NIL and A and M, a school where like let's just be frank about it. You have oil money. It's coming NILU. In. Like you've got oil tycoon money falling in your lap at A and M. I'd do it in a heartbeat. If you're Michigan State, a pro like if you launch Mel Tucker, a program that's run by a billionaire with a B, Matt Ishbia. Don't tell me they don't have the money. Mm-hmm. Like if you launch Mel Tucker, can you convince the Colorado Michigan State pipeline? Can you convince <laughs> Deion Sanders to go there? Can like it would have? I don't to think be, he's a Big Ten guy. Would, I think I he's either. SEC. But it would have to be one of those jobs, right? It'd have to be kind of a countercultural type of program. It would have to be a program that's willing to embrace some of the oddities of Dion, the future progressiveness of college football. Mm-hmm. It would have to be Miami, A&M, Texas, uh, Florida State, which is just not going to happen. Mm-hmm. Mike Norvell's done too well. Mm-hmm. So I would be surprised, but if the right job opens up, yeah, he could. Yeah, Listen, Dion's everything that's good about college football right now. He has embraced the new era, and it's fantastic to watch. And it may not happen this year with Colorado, but it will happen wherever Dion is is in the near future. All right, when we come back, we'll take a look at the big games for week one on the college football slate. It's a great one. It's Chicago's College Tailgate here, brought to you by Twin Peaks. Chicago's College Tailgate returns in a flash on ESPN Chicago. Chicago's College Tailgate has it all with Shay and Tyler on ESPN Chicago. Come on out to O'Sullivan's in Forest Park today from 1.30 to 3.30. Watch some college football with myself and Shay Norling. We'll be drinking deep, Eddie, having a great time watching some Iowa-Iowa State as well as the rest of the college football slate today as well. Going to be a great time. A lot of good games on today, but the game of the day is no doubt Alabama and Texas down at Bryant-Denny. And you've got a Texas team ranked 11th in the country Kind of up and down game for them in the the opener yep. against Rice. Nothing too impressive by Quinn Ewers. On the other side, though, you had an Alabama team where expectations are pretty low down in Tuscaloosa based off of Alabama standards. But I think week one went about as well as you could have asked for Alabama. I know they're playing Middle Tennessee State, but they ran through them 56-7. to uh, Jalen Milrow looked good in his limited time out there, threw for almost 200 yards as well as three touchdowns, also ran in a pair of touchdowns as well. But I think everything went as well as they could have gone for Alabama in a throwaway game there where on the other side you had a Texas team in, a, in an early pay-for-slay game and they didn't look as good as some of these other powers among college football. Yeah, I think the thing with Texas that I, I want to keep in mind, too, like you look at Alabama, Milrow only threw 18 passes. Mm-hmm. It's just they were playing Middle Tennessee State, and he didn't need to do a lot. And He didn't need to play a lot. Yeah, like you look at Texas, I watched a little bit of that game live while they were playing Rice, and it just kind of felt like they were going through the motions. It felt a little bit like Sark didn't want to show too much, didn't want to put things on tape for Saban, we can just relax. We know we're going to win. This was never in danger. Like, there was never a moment where it felt like, oh, Texas might get upset. It just, they weren't doing much. They weren't being creative offensively. They weren't showing a lot. They clearly weren't emptying the bag. So I don't worry about Texas only winning by, what, 33? Something like that. 
it, mm-hmm. it doesn't bother me. I, I'm not worried about that. I'm very interested to see Quinn Ewers get his shot at Bama. Because everybody's Revenge talked shot, about it. Yeah. Last year when Quinn Ewers came out of the game, 150-plus yards, 9-12 passing, he was slicing and dicing. One of the worst Bama secondaries we've seen in a while. That's a little bit better, but not massively improved. I'm excited to see Quinn Ewers gets his shot. Stay healthy for a whole game in Tuscaloosa, and you get your shot to slay the dragon. I saw earlier today on on like the pre-college game day show on ESPN, there was a, a quote from an anonymous scout that says, this game could be the difference between Quinn Ewers being a, a top-five pick and maybe having to go back to school. Like, it, this is a, a game of magnitude for Quinn. Like, this is the most important game on the calendar for him from a draft stock standpoint. And, it, you know, you look at everything, his total body of work, like, he doesn't have a whole heck of a lot right now but just because of the injuries and the fact that he did go out in this game last year. And this could – and the fact that the Big 12, I, I, I don't – glean a lot from Big 12 quarterbacks in general just because uh, it's a yards after catch league. Yeah. That is one of the, like, I think that's the best way to put it. It's a yard. No one tackles in the Big 12. Yeah. So it's tough to really get a full glimpse. I don't think the stats tell the true story of a, a player's success at the college level um, in the Big 12, but this could be one of those make or break games for his draft stock here today. That's really, it's kind of interesting to think too because of the kid who's sitting behind him. Right. It's like the, where does Arch Manning rank profile-wise among college quarterbacks? Like, second largest profile? Well, they, they showed and that this week... he's not even week, playing. Right. This week, he he used to be number one in terms of NIL valuation. Uh, the, the site On3, which is a new yeah. college recruiting service. Uh, it's kind of like 24-7 sports. Um, but On3 has NIL valuations for every single player in their rankings system. It's a great service that they have there. Arch Manning was number one. I think he was like three and a half million. But Shador Sanders passed him up this yeah. week. He's like three eight now. And so, this isn't what they're actually dragging in. This is just what their quote unquote value is. If you believe like this is the difference between yours going in the top five and going back to school, but have fun in Eugene because you will <laughs> not, you will not be the quarterback in Austin anymore. Like that's that's just. This is a big game for Quinn Ewers. I'm excited to see Quinn Ewers get his chance. I don't think this Alabama's team anything to write home about beating up on Middle Tennessee State. Like, we expect that. Yeah, pick your coast, Miami or Oregon. Which, right, which, right, which right. one do you want to go to next year? Well, boy, if Kyle McCord and Devin Brown keep looking like that, go home. Yeah. Go be in Columbus. Seriously. Like, it's so... No, but I think this is... Not only the game of the day, like we talked about LSU Florida State a week ago as being one of the games of the year. Bama Texas last year is a game we look back at. And even with the injuries, even losing Quinn Ewers and having to watch Hudson Card do whatever the hell that was, like Texas almost won that game. And we look back at that as, boy, should have been a warning flag. Bama not going to play well in the SEC. And you saw the two losses. I think we're kind of back in that boat today where you don't often see. Teams go to Tuscaloosa and be favored by or be dogs by a touchdown or less. Mm-hmm. This is a very good Texas team going to Tuscaloosa at a seven point dog. Like I'm just really excited to watch. It's also a huge moment for Steve Sarkeesian, who yeah. can prove he's the guy. Is this is Tyler? This is the quintessential Texas's back game. They win this game. You talk about the Colorado hype being too much. We are. The, this is going to be like supernova. In Austin, Texas, if they win this game. Right. And 
it's going to come down to the two quarterbacks. Like, did is Jalen Milrow was last week a flash in the pan, or can he be better than just a game manager for Alabama? Can he be something a little bit more? Quinn Ewers, is he going to show that last year was the real deal in this game before he got injured? Or is he going to show that mm, maybe that performance was a, a one and done for him right there? Yeah, and I think it's a different sort of Alabama team. It's going to be more old school Saban. It's going to be more like the A.J. McCarron, Derrick Henry types of days mm-hmm. where you're pounding the rock, man. Like it, This is Mark Ingram Bama. 40 carries. Uh, Jalen Milrow will be a part of that, but you've got Chase McClellan back there. Like This is... This is a Saban team where you don't have the weapons you used to have in the in the receiver room. There's no Devontae Smith. There ain't a Julio Jones in that room. You're, this is going to be a run-first team, drag you down, put you into a rock fight. It's just up to Texas. Can you survive? All right. When we come back, we will give you our picks and also craft our show parlay as well. It's Chicago's College Tailgate brought to you by Twin Peaks. Chicago's College Tailgate returns in a flash on ESPN Chicago. Chicago's football game day starts with Chicago's College Tailgate. From red shirts to mascots to your school's alma mater, Chicago's College Tailgate has it all. Now back to the show with Shay and Tyler on ESPN Chicago. Thank you to Jake Cantu and to Justin Pottinger for producing today's show. A reminder, we will be with you out at O'Sullivan's in Forest Park from 1.30 to 3.30, watching some college football with you, drinking deep Eddie, and it's going to be a great time. So come on out, 1.30 to 3.30, O'Sullivan's in Forest Park. Going to be a lot of fun watching ball and uh, drinking deep Eddie and, and just having a great time because... Hey, when you've got that full slate of, of college football games, there's nothing better. Oh, it's the best. Nothing better. Full day of football. Mm-hmm. All right. It is time for the show's picks. Last week, it was a rough one for myself. I went one and four. Shea is the sharp of the show. He went three and two. Jake Cantu, what are we looking at this week? All righty, boys. Let's start with uh, number 10 Notre Dame facing off uh, against North Carolina State. North Carolina State getting plus seven. You want me to start? I'll start on this one. Sam Hartman has struggled against NC State in the past. In fact, in his last two games against NC State, remember, he transferred over from Wake Forest. But Sam Hartman has thrown six picks in his last two games against NC State. I'm gonna go with the uh, I'm gonna go with NC State given or getting, I should say, the seven points there. Yeah, I'm on the same side as you, Tyler. NC State has owned Sam Hartman. And People might think, well, you go from Wake to Notre Dame, the talent level goes up a little bit, right? I'm not kidding when I tell you, Sam Hartman was throwing to better receivers when he was at Wake. Especially that last year. If you were struggling with all the advantages of a slow mesh offense that uh, Clawson was giving him, with better receivers than you have now at Notre Dame, they've played nobody I care about. Navy and uh, Tennessee State, I'm good. Like, now you go to NC State, you play a real defense, a real team, NC State getting the seven, I'm in. All right, let's move on to Nebraska at Colorado. This big game with Deion Sanders, uh, Colorado minus two and a half. I think this is the freest bet we've seen in decades. Yes, sir. The freest bet we've seen in decades. Give me the Huskers plus two and a half. There's too much Deion hype right now. And I don't think Vegas is giving you a two and a half point line if they really think Colorado is going to win this game. This thing opened at four, immediately gone. 
went to three. It's been sitting at three all week until yesterday when it went to two and a half. If you watch anything about gambling and line movement, when everybody and their mom is on a team and the line's going the opposite way, you want to be on the other side. Everybody's betting Colorado. You can go talk to your dog. Your dog's got to bet on Colorado. Like, I'm going to be on the other side of this. Nebraska, there's no way Colorado should be favored already. TCU sucks. Huskers. Play my theme music, Dion would say. Huskers. Put me on the jumbo truck, Dion. Get my receipts. Huskers. Uh, listen, Dion, you can call me. I, I will I will entertain a phone call from you if you, your team does come out victorious. All right, what's next, Nick? Texas A&M visiting Miami, plus three Miami's getting. Uh, I'm going to take the home team Hurricanes here with the plus three. I know you love A&M this year, but I'm going to roll with the U in this matchup between powers. Miami's quarterback, still Tyler Van Dyke. And who is A&M's quarterback? Uh, it would be Connor Wigman. Exactly. But Tyler Van Dyke sucks. Give me Texas A&M. All right, let's go to Oregon visiting Lubbock, Texas. Texas Tech University, Oregon ranked number 13th. Uh, Texas Tech plus six and a half. Oregon played nobody you last week, but still put up 81 points. I don't care if you play a Pop Warner team. You put up 81 points. I I, I like it. I, I, I'm into it. Uh, Bo Nix coming back as well. I'm going to go with Oregon here. Yeah, you look at Texas Tech. They lost to Wyoming in, double, in overtime last week, 35-33. Miraculous late game, by the way. <laughs> yeah, it was really cool. Uh, Texas Tech loses that game. You go, boy, they might not be very good. Bringing in 13 Oregon. Going north to south. Going to be about 100 degrees in Lubbock today. Only getting six and a half points. Well, that doesn't look right. Give me the Red Raiders. All right. Number 11, Texas visiting number three, Alabama. Alabama minus seven right now. You know, it feels like everyone has bumped this game down. And I think I'm going to go. I'm going. Earlier in the week, I thought it was going to be a Texas play. I'm actually going to take the other oh. side now. I'm going to roll Tide today and take Alabama with the seven. You know what happens when you don't stick to your guns? This is great West, out West, old West dueling. When you don't stick to your guns, you get shot. Sark walks into Texas, and Cantu, you can keep oh. your effing points. Sark walks in there and wins outright. All right. The Quinn Ewers show horns up. Hit my parlay according to Shea Norling. All right. Let's move on. Last, uh, Utah at Baylor. Number 12, Utah. Baylor plus seven and a half. Baylor coming off a loss to Texas State last week. Yikes. Oh, boy. But I I have too many quarterback questions with Utah right now without Cam Rising. I'm going to take Baylor in a buy low spot here, the seven and a half. Getting the hook on the touchdown, seven and a half is a good place to be. Utah last year, this game, you know what it reminds me of? Utah went to the Swamp week one against a Florida team that was not good Mm -hmm. and lost outright in the Swamp. It's hard when you come down from the mountains and come be among the plebes. (laughs) And you got to go to Waco, and Waco takes you out. Give me Baylor. All right. Let's quickly run through our show parlay. Last week, Charlie and I ruined it. We apologize to you, Shay. You had the only winning line. What do you have? You, you Louisiana, Louisiana Monroe, Monroe. Yeah, took the, the head off of the Army Black Knights. All right, what is your pick, your contribution to the parlay this week? You know what? I'm going to go Cyhawk. We'll be out at O'Sullivan's in about two hours, two and a half hours. We'll be watching this game. I'm hoping to be somewhat entertained by it, but 35 and a half total points. I'm going under. 
I don't know that we're going to get to 36 <laughs> in this one. The under is my play for the parlay. Are we going to get to 20 in that one is the real question. I'm going to stick in the 230 window with you. Underrated game that I feel like we haven't really mentioned, but another one between multiple top 25 teams here, and that is Ole Miss and Tulane. Give me the home team Tulane in the eight and a half. All right, we go to the producer booth. All right, guys, how about this? Wisconsin, Washington State, under 58. Neither team's going to have 30. It's gross. Don't watch it, but it will hit. All right. So All right. Oh, Wisconsin under. <laughs> it's gross. Don't, Don't watch, watch it. it. That's it's gonna fantastic. Hit. In fairness, Justin gave me one of those last week. He walked. He came. He didn't just walk in. He paraded in and goes, Ohio State, Indiana, under. Slam it. Free. Free. What was a That's a lock. What, what did you got? You had a, a hotline call with uh, Ryan Day. He told you that the offense was going to look that way. <laughs> it's the quarterbacks, man. Yep. They, don't, they don't know what they're doing yet. No, they, they don't. All right. And you know what? The head coach doesn't either. So to round it out here, Tulane plus eight and a half. Iowa at Iowa State under 30 and a half points. Wisconsin at Washington State under 58 and a half points. It all pays out at plus five or 553 and on FanDuel Sportsbook you can get a boost with that a 50% three leg profit boost to plus 830 so go bet that right now and let's win together on this one all right that's going to do it for us here on Chicago's College Tailgate we'll be back with you next week 10 to 11 a.m. here on ESPN 1000 we'll see you at O'Sullivan's in Forest Park at 1.30 today to watch some Iowa, Iowa State. We'll talk to you then. Chicago's College Tailgate returns in a flash on ESPN Chicago.